Welcome in to the Paul Kuherski Podcast, part of 440 Sports. I'm Paul Kuherski of paulkuherski.com. If you've listened before, you know the drill. I'm contractually obligated to mention my name three times very quickly off the top. I've done so pleasing my sponsor, Jasper's. Great restaurant on West End in downtown Nashville. You should check them out. Gather, play, eat, drink. You can do all those things there. I do. You should. Tell them I sent you. What we're going to do here is I'm going to defend Ryan Tannehill, much to some of your chagrin, most of your chagrin, based on the temperature taking that I've done. I'm going to deconstruct Will Levis. I hate the idea of the Titans taking Will Levis, even if he fell to them at 11. Uh, We're going to celebrate Jeffrey Simmons, and uh, it's going to be neat. It's going to be tidy, and we're going to get underway right here, right now. Ryan Tannehill. Look, the problem everybody has with Ryan Tannehill, the problem everybody should have with Ryan Tannehill is that he is a playoff failing quarterback. He didn't get the Titans to the playoffs last year in large part because he injured his ankle twice and needed surgery. But I I don't know that we could blame him for the Titans not getting to the playoffs. He missed five games. They lost four of those. He had them at seven and three at one point. Things crumbled, one of those being uh, his, his, his health, but the health around him as well. Let's talk a little bit about what went on with Ryan Tannehill last year. In his first 12 games, they were six and six. His percentage was the lowest it has been as a Titan since he took over during the 2019 season, 65.2. 211.3 passing yards per game, the lowest in his time. No fourth quarter comebacks or game-winning drives. So those are all bad developments. But there were some good developments. Um, yards per attempt, 7.8. That was fifth in the league. That's pretty good. 9.6 is his all-time high. That was in that incredible 2019 stretch. Remarkable. Yards per completion on par with 2020, the great offensive year, right at 12. Passer rating was 94.6, up from 2021, not as good as 2019 or 2020. His TD, TD rate was the same. His interception rate was down. His sack percentage uh, was up, which you would expect based on the awful offensive line that was playing in front of him. I am not offering absolution for Ryan Tannehill, who was hardly great last year. But that offensive line allowed 33 sacks in 12 games. He had Dennis Daly starting 15 games at left tackle. Uh, Aaron Brewer at left guard, who was overmatched almost all of the time. And uh, Nicholas Petit-Frere at right tackle, who, given a normal line, we would have been talking about every week as the weak link. He he had great fortune in that he was playing on a line where Dennis Daly was the main topic of conversation, and Aaron Brewer was the second topic of conversation. So those three linemen were were really quite bad for Ryan Tannehill. Traylon Burks, who was drafted to replace a top-flight receiver in A.J. Brown, missed six games and was slow to come along. We only saw flashes of how good he could be. Two guys that the team added to be primary pass catchers and were the top two guys in receptions on the team 
Robert Woods and, and Austin Hooper were huge disappointments in terms of their ability to contribute on a, a steady basis. Uh, and Woods couldn't get open on any kind of steady basis. These are the sorts of things that are going to hurt uh, a veteran quarterback who's not an elite guy. He's not going to carry a team single-handedly who needs a supporting cast. And they talked about being great around him, surrounding him with better talent. And what they did is went and had worse talent and then injured talent. Uh, Ryan Tannehill had a 97.9 pass rating in the first eight games of the season. Then um, he had 88.7 passer rating in the final four games of his season. So if you give me a 97.9 passer rating, what he had in the first half, quote unquote, of, of the in a 16 game season, which most of us are still used to, I, I would take that. I, I would take those numbers on a team like the Titans. You know, I, we'll get into the hunt for a, uh, a an elite quarterback. They were seven and three at one point. So what happened? Well, we just hit the injuries. First off, with regard to Ryan Tannehill, everybody was out on Ryan Tannehill the year prior when he played so so poorly in the 2021 season ending divisional round playoff loss to Cincinnati, right? With the three interceptions. When the defense sacked Joe Burrow nine times and the Titans should have won at home and then hosted the AFC championship game. The only team with a bye in the AFC with the, with the first year of one bye and the extra playoff team. He was terrible in that game, reinforcing the idea that he wasn't a playoff quarterback. The expectation was Titans will come back They'll get back to the playoffs and we'll take the temperature on Ryan Tannehill if he can get into the playoffs and finally carry this team somewhere in the playoffs because he had failed to, uh, you know, in the year they made the AFC championship game run, it was on Derrick Henry's back. Then he couldn't mount anything in the championship game in Kansas City. Came back a year later, the whole offense was bad against Baltimore, but he didn't do anything and threw a game-losing interception at the end. And then compounded with a terrible, terrible effort against Cincinnati. Now, I, I said, you know, to me, last season coming into it, I thought, well, they'll probably do most of the same stuff. I don't think they'll be the number one seed, but I expected them to win the division again or get to the playoffs. And then the question was, what could Ryan Tannehill do in the playoffs? I expected not much, but I expected him to get there and have a chance to try to rewrite his playoff script. What happened is they lost seven in a row. They were seven and three at one point. Um, they lost seven in a row. Three of those games were him. One was Malik Willis. Two were Joshua Dobbs. What else happened to our feelings about Ryan Tannehill? We saw, again, great quarterbacks in the AFC, in the regular season in particular. Patrick Mahomes goes without saying. Joe Burrow, I think now, is also there, goes without saying. Josh Allen's team took a step back, but still saw some very good play from him. A healthy Tua, uh, I think, did more than a lot of us, certainly than I imagined he could. Uh, if his concussion problems are... Uh, Behind him, you would hope he's a guy that could continue to do damage. Trevor Lawrence emerged. Ryan Tannehill was actually sixth 
uh, in the AFC and passer rating, but uh, Justin Herbert um, played uh, well again and uh, now gets a better offensive coordinator. Another thing that happened to Ryan Tannehill is that Trevor Lawrence emerged as the best quarterback in the division, as we expected he would when he was drafted. But his rookie year was such a disaster with Urban Meyer as his coach in in Jacksonville. It took, you know, uh, a while in his second season with Doug Peterson as his coach for that team to start to emerge and for Trevor Lawrence to start to emerge. And then he won two head-to-head games with the Titans in short order that decided the AFC South and sent the Jaguars to the playoffs and created a team that's now the favorite in the AFC South as opposed to the Titans. But in the playoffs, this is important when you're considering how you feel about Ryan Tannehill and, and how we feel about AFC quarterbacks. And I'm right there. Titans are in bad shape in terms of how they stack up amongst in the AFC, among the AFC talented young quarterbacks but let's run through this exercise and and i'm not saying that ryan Tannehill would have done anything in the playoffs because he's not been a good playoff quarterback by any means patrick mahomes had another great playoff run and went and won a super bowl joe burrow in three games had four touchdowns and two interceptions josh allen in two playoff games had three touchdowns and three interceptions Playoff passer ratings over 100 in 2022 season. Mahomes, Brock Purdy of the NFC, Kirk Cousins of the NFC, Dak Prescott of the NFC. The second best passer rating in the AFC last year for an AFC uh, quarterback, Tyler Huntley, 92.0. You feel, I tend to feel, uh, because of the vibe around the team and because of how well it did in 2021, that the losing streak, the seven-game losing streak to end last season was the end of this incarnation of the team and thus the end of Tannehill because he's the figurehead of that team. But I'm pretty sure the Titans don't agree with you it could be wrong. Something could be coming in the draft here that changes that. And we know how expensive he is. It's cap numbers, 36 million. They can save, um, you know, 18 and eat 17 or vice versa um, with a move with him. Though the market for him is gone so long as, um, as the Jets and Packers deal happens with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen cap an age-induced turnover on this team. But if he's the starting quarterback in September, and I would say when he's the starting quarterback in September, all is not lost for the Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill based on some of the numbers I've talked about here and, and presuming that he's healthy again and he's been a sturdy guy for them outside of this ankle injury last year. Even if they draft a guy coming up here, it's conceivable that Ryan Tannehill, very conceivable that Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback in week one in September as they sit uh, an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis. Um, I'm rooting against both of those guys, but they sit one of those guys 
behind him and let him play out his last year or renegotiate it as part of, part of an extension. Ryan Tannehill's not dead. And the Titans could still win with Ryan Tannehill. The Titans could still win their way into the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. I know the allure of going and getting a guy who could be one of the, you know, elbow to elbow with those top AFC guys is so strong. But at least two of these guys coming out are not guarantees. None of these guys coming out are guarantees. There's no Trevor Lawrence in this draft. There's no Joe Burrow in this draft. Young and Stroud have better chances than Levis and Richardson in my eyes and in the eyes of many. But, you know, yeah, the Titans ultimately would love to have a guy like that. There's no guarantee you're getting one if you're drafting one of those guys this year. And they could still win with Tannehill if they could patch this offensive line, if they could find him some receivers, if they could give him a chance, and if they could play good defense. I know that formula gets tiresome, but it's still their best chance to win. At paulkoharski.com this week, Mike Herndon writes how Jackson, Smith, and Jigba is the Titans' best chance to get better quickly because outside of quarterback, to him, the next most important position is wide receiver, and the Titans have to have somebody to pair with Traylon Burks. He thinks the Ohio State receiver is a perfect guy to do that with. You should, uh, if you're not a member of the site, sign up immediately and go read this piece, which might have you walking away thinking, man, that might be my guy. It's a very convincing argument that Mike makes. And Blake Bettingfield, uh, a day earlier, did capsules on, I think, 22 guys that he thinks could be attractive to the Titans at the wide receiver position, running through everybody in uh, in his stacked order, strengths and weaknesses um, as to who, uh, who he uh, likes, uh, doesn't like as much, how they would fit in with the Titans opposite Burks, how Kyle Phillips kind of factors into what may or may not go on there. So uh, come check that out. Get a, a membership if you're not. $5.99 a month. You get what they write. You get what I write. Um, and uh, private video chat where you ask me questions and we have a big time. Uh, a lot of big draft stuff coming up. You don't want to miss out on that. All of it brought to you by Jaspers, which is on West End in Nashville. Um it's a great spot. You could have a business lunch there. You could have a date there. You can uh, you can bring your family there, and you can send the kids out. Or you can go out yourself. They've got an area with uh, all free games. You get free first to park for free. Then you can go outside. You can play pop a shot or shuffleboard stuff like that. Free. You don't have to dig quarters out of your pocket or find singles or anything like that. And a big widescreen TV to catch the big game. Um, and then a really good menu, um, appetizers, entrees, desserts, everything. If you can't stop by, there's a grab-and-go market, so you stop, grab something to take home. If that's the way you got to fly that night, great cocktail menu, uh, good beers on tap, really perfect situation for uh, for whatever kind of night or uh, afternoon you need. So I encourage you to stop by Jasper's. I appreciate them sponsoring us. Stop by, tell them I sent you, and uh, – that work out great for everybody. I'm a big fan. So thanks to them. Will Levis. Uh, Will Levis is connected to the Titans. And, I, you know, it's not unreasonable. They they had him in for a, one of their 30 visits. I hope that they found out that they don't like Will Levis that much. Because 
it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm going to run through a little bit of the good and the bad of Will Levis and why I, I don't like him, the idea of him for the Titans. But the guy's got a good arm, a great, great arm probably. Um, and he's got kind of quintessential quarterback size. He absolutely looks the part. He's got a quick release. He can stand in against pressure. He's tough, quality you want in a quarterback like that. He can slide side to side to deal with pressure nicely. He runs uh, pretty well. Uh, the, the clips of him on his best runs, he looks fantastic. Um, and and he's, he's good with the ball in his hands near the goal line for sure. On the other side of this, though, uh, he's not the most instinctive guy by any means, which then affects the decision-making. And decision-making is one of the main things most people want in a quarterback. They want you to come into the league as a good decision-maker. And they also want you to come into the league accurate, um, you know, and and with a variety of, of touch to help you on accuracy. He's been short on some deep stuff. Uh, which calls into question his ability to anticipate things. Um, he's not on time all the time. He can be out of rhythm, which all ties into this kind of anticipation and instinct question or theme. Um, his pocket feel, you know, while he'll stand in against the blitz and against pressure, some people uh, call into question and, uh, and he has this swagger that, you know, there have been a lot of reports has turned some teams off. You know, he said at the combine, I'm going to go out there and show off my cannon. And then he didn't have a great combine workout. I listened just uh, on my way home today to uh, what Chris Sims said. Chris Sims, a one-time Titans quarterback who, you know, obviously knows the position, talked through uh Levis's combine workout and he wasn't particularly impressed with the with the way he threw the ball against air um uh, you know in, in that combine setting after kind of bragging about what he was going to go out and do which to me isn't isn't a great look he made more big plays under Liam Cohn two years ago Liam Cohn who uh came from the Rams I believe then went back to the Rams for uh, Levis's last year. Now is back to Kentucky, ironically. Um, and Cones, you know, got some legitimate NFL stripes. So that's a good sign that he worked well with an NFL guy. He wasn't good with the guy in the interim, Rick uh, Skin. What is it? Scangarello, uh, um, who was fired during the season. And, and then in that good year with Cone, uh, he had Wandale Robinson, the good, uh, the good receiver and, and, uh, and some linemen who, uh, who, who graduated and, uh, and went on to the league. So, I mean, there's some encouraging signs there that, and, and he had turf toe this last year for maybe the second half of the year, Levis. So, so that hurt him. Here's some numbers that were, were floating around about passes, for the top four quarterbacks, the perceived top four quarterbacks, not counting Hendon Hooker, on passes of 20 yards or more in the air. I won't run through all the numbers. I just ran them through the passer rating calculator. This is from 2022. C.J. Stroud, 122.4. Bryce Young, 121.5. Anthony Richardson, 114.5. Will Levis. 
Will Levis, 16 for 39, that's 41%, for 541 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions on passes of 20 or more yards in the air. That's very discouraging. These are from Zach Hicks, and he said that Levis's numbers, he went back, gave him the benefit of the doubt on the injury, went back and looked at what he did healthy in 2021 under Cohen, a better uh, coach, 43.6%, 812 yards, six touchdowns, all good, with six interceptions. That added up to an 87.3 passer rate. Better, still not good. Still not as good as these other guys. Um, Overall, against Power 5 competition, According to Pro Football Focus, he made five big-time throws last year. Five. That's minuscule. He threw for under 180 yards a game, 10 touchdowns against seven picks, 62.2%. Faced a lot of pressure and threw into a lot of tight windows, those numbers tell us. That's not encouraging. Um. Pro Football Focus also wrote about how his pro-con list right now looks a lot, sounds a lot like Josh Allen's pro-con list sounded when he was coming out of Wyoming. To me, Josh Allen's uh, improvement when he got to the NFL is an outlier, right? You're not going to find many guys who come into the league and get better at the things that Josh Allen and Will Levis were bad at in college. The um, lack of anticipation and the inaccuracy. Those things are kind of baked into the cake by the time you come out of college. And it's rare that people get better at them when they get in the league, even with really good coaching. And the Bills have done a great job with Josh Allen, who has turned into an excellent, excellent NFL quarterback. Um, so those, those things that PFF is writing about spotty accuracy, one speed thrower, that's another concern, you know, doesn't alter his touch depending on the throw will likely always struggle on touch passes with a short arm delivery and a bad habit of trying to do too much and force throws. So PFF says you could get Josh Allen out of that list of four qualities or you could get jake locker titans have already had jake locker titans do not need another jake locker and they didn't make a deal to go get jake locker now uh, i mentioned mike herndon's piece about jackson smith and jigba earlier Titans need a big-time wide receiver out of this draft. Now, this isn't loaded with a, a Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, or, or uh, you know, Justin Jefferson. Um, though, you know, maybe one or two of these guys uh, of, the, of the top bunch turn out to be of those kind of guys. But we're probably not seeing – it's pretty safe to say we're not going to see a wide receiver taken sixth overall in this draft. We don't know. There are a lot of GMs high in this draft that have no track record, and there could be all kinds of surprises. But the Titans, if they trade up to get Levis or Richardson 
or, you know, even Stroud or Young, if somehow they fall to three and the Titans go ahead and make a deal with, with uh, the Cardinals, are not going to be in position then to get the kind of wide receiver he needs. And they're going to be really hoping that a lower wide receiver pick really pans out. They're going to have thin resources between what they give up in this draft, what they give up in the next draft or two to be able to go get that quarterback, that kind of guy. Here's what, um, with regard to Will Levis, the thing I looked at closely with a lot of people that I read who are writers, granted, but scouting writers who watch these players um, very closely during college season, talk to scouts around the league, talk to coaches who've coached these guys and coached against these guys. I'm very curious about the comps, right? NFL draft buzz kind of gave a good comp and a bad comp for Will Levis. Josh Allen on the good side, who we just discussed a little bit, Mitch Trubisky on the bad side. Mel Kuyper, very positive comp. Matthew Stafford, well, if you can get yourself Matthew Stafford, I'd take that. But now the downturn. Blake Bettingfield, our friend who writes at the site, he said it's a hard comp, but he'd go with Blake Bortles, that he's Blake Bortles-like, strong arm, good athlete, but inconsistent. Dane Brugler, who writes The Beast at The Athletic, and Matt Miller of ESPN, both said Carson Wentz, and they both said the good and the bad of Carson Wentz. Well, I think the bad of Carson Wentz swallowed the good of Carson Wentz. Do you want your team to give up a whole bunch to go get Carson Wentz? I wouldn't. Lance Zerline said Jay Cutler. Do you want your team to give up a whole bunch to go get Jay Cutler? I don't. Gets worse. Draft scout. Called him a big Baker Mayfield. No thanks. Pro Football Focus in its magazine that I downloaded. Jake Locker. Well, it was bad enough when you took Jake Locker at eight. Don't take him at 11 and sure don't trade up for him. Ben Solak and Danny Kelly of the Ringer. Same comp for Will Levis. Ryan Tannehill. Now look, Will Levis be a lot cheaper than Ryan Tannehill. But if you're a Titans fan and you're craving your team, go out and get a guy who can be in the conversation with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and whoever the next up-and-coming young great quarterbacks in the AFC may be. Why do you want them to take a guy who's being compared by some of the best draft analysts around to the quarterback you already have? Doesn't make sense to me, and I'm not saying these guys are dead on with Ryan Tannehill comparisons. That you know, they, they may be way off. Scares the hell out of me. Scares the hell out of me. Hard pass. Get yourself some linemen, some receivers. Worry about quarterback another time. Jasper's, your neighborhood bar and restaurant, done better. Check it out for me. I, uh, Appreciate you doing so. Jeffrey Simmons will finish up with. Um, 
a lot of us have been telling you they'd sign him. I don't know why there was such a big panic. They didn't sign one premier player. That didn't mean they were going to then get in the habit of not signing their premier players. The money situation was going to be fine. Um, they, they signed him earlier than I expected, frankly. He's really the lone tent pole guy on this team now. Now, not many teams have guys signed as far out as he signed now through 2027. The only guy on the roster signed that will, if all goes well, walk into the new stadium for introductions. He and the first-round draft pick provided the first-round draft pick has his fifth-year option exercised or is walking in there on a new contract, hopefully, if if Rand Carthon hits on his first pick of his first draft. Harold Landry signed through 2026. He's coming right now off of a uh, ACL tear. So you're hopeful that he'll be fine and, and still be playing. Kevin Byard has two more years at big money. We know they'd like him to be cheaper. You'd hope those are tent poles for a little longer. Um, it's too early for Chig Conquo and uh, Traylon Burks to say if they've got sustainable production but you'd hope so. Um, but it's a short list. Derek Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill are in the last year of their deals. Um, and, and you'd think the end is near for, for Derek Henry. So um, they don't have a lot. And, um, you know, who, who knows this? I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is a great teammate. And, um, but he also knows that there's a lot of change going on right now and he he talked about that at the at the press conference where the titans uh kind of made his new deal official on uh wednesday this morning um you know it just to me i I think the main thing is you know just getting back around the guys and i can't wait to get back around the guys and you know like i said we're gonna have a complete new team um you know a lot of these guys new to our team um i met um um, Aziz, Aziz is right, right? Uh, yeah, I met Aziz this morning, and I guess I could tell already um, that, you know, he's going to be a, good for us, just the, the talk we had this morning. And um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to, you know, because um, I've been on the contract here, so it's not like I'm new to this team. So I, like, I'm, I'm just excited to see how much more we could grow as a team and, you know, get to our next step. That was Aziz Al-Shair, who, who he was name-checking with Rand Carthen in the, in, uh, in the front row there. Complete new team, Simmons says. So he's not pretending that there, uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot of continuity right now with what's going on. And actually, defensively, there, there is some continuity. Um, I really respect Jeff Simmons for the way he played through the ankle injury last year without complaint. Um, and... Even more so, the guy, you know, he was a little weird about it during OTAs um, and right before training camp, maybe. And then one time during the season where he talked to a national reporter about the contract situation and then like made it like it was weird that the rest of us followed up with questions about it. But he played for $2 million last year, which is maybe the most undervalued player in the NFL. And he didn't grumble about that either, um, which had to be hard to do. Now, all he needed to do was be patient ultimately through this. I don't think the social media thing is is the way to go, but ultimately he was patient um, and he got what he deserved. 
Um, he got what he deserved, $66 million guaranteed. And now he's got the kind of expectations you would want a centerpiece of your team who's getting that kind of money. He's got the right expectations. Time for camp and, uh, and um, get, just to get around these guys, you know, they going to understand quick kind of what's our culture and the way we want to play around here in Tennessee. And they're going to get to our ultimate goal, and that's to win the championship around here. I think, you know, that's always the goal uh, at the end of the season. Um, so I think that's the next step as a team. And, um, of course, like, I'm a guy who's going to put the team first. And my mindset is we have to win. And I, um, we didn't came up short too many times. And I think this season um, we have to work extremely hard, harder and, um, just to get to our main goal. They came up short too many times. I think everybody would agree with Jeffrey Simmons on that one. A lot of the fan base doesn't have the confidence that they can work harder and do better this year. But I think they'd want to hear the best player on defense saying they can. And Jeffrey Simmons definitely believes that. Thanks for joining me on the Paul Kuhersky podcast. I will talk to you again soon. Thanks to Jaspers. Go check them out. In the meantime, you know what I'm going to tell you, and I hope it echoes in your head. Don't block the box, but be sure to lock your blocks.